Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good, good. I'm very happy that you're here, and I'm very happy that I'm here. Thank you, Lord, for uh, getting us up this morning. Uh, so welcome. Again, welcome to the South Suburban Vineyard. I just uh, want to say welcome to anyone who's listening to us on our podcast. You're welcome to come join us here, and I especially want to welcome anybody who is visiting with us for the first time, or if you still consider yourself a visitor, welcome. As Gino mentioned, I have the privilege of concluding our current sermon series that we're calling Investing in the Kingdom, and the kingdom that we're referring to is the kingdom of God. Uh, My mother-in-law was in town last week, and she mentioned that she really appreciated the sermon, she really enjoyed it, and so she said, you know, man, I wish I could listen to all the other installments, and I said, you know, the inner salesman kind of came up in me, I'm like, but you can, uh, for a little, low price. No, I didn't, I didn't try to sell it to her, but we can't, if you haven't heard the first couple installments, I encourage you, go to our website, check it out, I think this is an awesome sermon series, uh, Gino's done a great job with the first few installments, so I have the privilege of continuing that and actually concluding that sermon series called the Investing in the Kingdom of God. And just so we're all on the same page, I, I feel like I need to share how we define investing. And so we've, we've uh, presented this definition as to invest is to devote one's time, talent, or treasure to a particular undertaking with the expectation of a worthwhile result. Let me just read that again. To invest is to devote one's time, talent, or treasure, basically your personal resources, to a particular undertaking with the expectation of a worthwhile result. And this isn't some, you know, Christian redefinition of investing. I mean, I think the basis uh, of any investing definition is that you put in something, there is an input, and hopefully you're going to get a beneficial result at at the back end of it. Otherwise, it's just wasting. I mean, you don't invest something by throwing something in the garbage. You would, you're not investing in the garbage by any means. Um, but maybe to help us round out that definition, particularly the worthwhile part of that definition, we've also been using a quote from a Mr. Silas Shotwell. Let me read that quote to you. It says, the only way to tell the difference between wasting and investing is to know one's ultimate purpose in life and to judge accordingly. And what he's basically saying is the only way to tell whether or not your investments are actually doing something beneficial for you or if they're worthwhile to you is if you compare the end goal, particularly of your life, or the end goal of your investment, and then compare accordingly. I thought of, uh, I thought of an example, and we're going to create a fictitious character named Fred. And suppose Fred is standing over there by the coffee and donuts and he's getting some refreshments and you are kind of doing what you're supposed to do and you're meeting guests and you're kind of chit-chatting a little bit and you say, so Fred, tell me a little bit about yourself. And this fictitious Fred is, is actually very open with his life and so he says, uh, well, since you asked, uh, I'm actually on a very long journey uh, to complete my doctorate in astrophysics. And so, I don't know, maybe a natural follow-up question or statement is like, wow, you must... You must want to, like, study the stars for the rest of your life. Or something, I don't know, you must want to do something like that. And he's like, no, I actually want to be a barber. And, and if you're like me, and of course it's funny because the two are very, very different. The two are very, very different. And I don't know, I mean, I might tell, like, Fred, like, listen, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. But if you want to be the barber, that's probably not the direction that you should be going. You're wasting years of your life, probably a lot of money on education, 
And certainly your talent, but by just kind of letting it go dry, you are not investing yourself in your end, end goal. And so how do we tie this back in? I think if we were approached by someone over by the coffee and donuts, by the way, that's a nice place to be. Um, if, if you were approached by someone in the coffee, by the coffee and donuts, they might ask, you know, so tell me about your life. And if you were honest and really gave them a very clear picture of what your life looked like, like what would it look like? You know, what, what, would, what would be kind of your story like, hey, this is what I'm doing with my resources, my time, my talent, my treasure. Here at the South Suburban Vineyard, we believe that we have two ultimate purposes in life. And so for those of you who have been around, you're welcome to maybe shout it out if you like, but I'll, anybody? Hey, you guys listen. Good. All right. But that is to love God and love people. And so if someone asks you, you know, tell me about your life, would a follow-up question to that would be a follow-up statement, wow, you must really want to love God and love people. And it's a very challenging, challenging scenario to picture because some, for some of us, if we really gave an account of what our life is like, you know, the difference between how we actually invest our time, our talent, and our treasure and what, you know, our ultimate purpose is to love God and love people could be as drastically different as astrophysics and being a barber. There could be a huge disparity between how we invest our time, our talent, and our treasure and what our ultimate purpose is in life. So this series, and I've appreciated this series, has been designed to help us evaluate and maybe reconcile the difference, kind of bring those two Differences together of, you know, not what we just talk about, not what we just sing about, but actually how we invest our resources and our ultimate purpose in life. Two weeks ago, Gino talked about investing in the kingdom of God with our time. Last week, I thought Gino gave a great message. I mean, all of them were great messages, but he talked about investing our talents in the kingdom of God. Well, this week, I want to conclude our sermon series by talking about investing our treasure in the kingdom of God. And as we talk about what it means to invest our treasure in the kingdom of God, I want to answer kind of three big questions. Three big questions about investing your treasure in the kingdom of God. And the first question is, what is our treasure? I think that it's kind of a, a good to identify what our treasure is. Second question is, why should I invest my treasure in the kingdom of God? And then the third question is, how can I invest my treasure in the kingdom of God? So to do that, I'd like to look at the scriptures. I think that's a great place for us to start. Today we'll be reading from Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. If you're new, there are Bibles on the sides of the rows. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles on the sides of the rows. You're welcome to follow along in a Bible. Otherwise, the, the word should be displayed on the screen. I believe that they are. So let me just give some very quick context to what we're, we're going to be reading. This passage comes from maybe the most famous sermon ever presented. And that's Jesus' sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. It's a fantastic sermon. It's actually a pretty large block of scripture. And it teaches a lot about life principles. It talks about the kingdom of God. It's, it's almost like, you know, Jesus' manifesto. Like, the, this is what Jesus is all about. The Sermon on the Mount. So one part of that, Jesus talks about our treasure and possessions. And that's the section that we're going to read today. So Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the passage and then I'm going to pray for us. It says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, I, I recognize that, that anything I say that is apart from your spirit, apart from your leading, is, is a complete waste. So Lord, I just ask that you would put power on this message. God, I ask that you would be here with us, Lord, that you would actually be the one speaking to us, that you would kind of put your finger where each one of us needs to, you know, kind of be pressed and, and challenged this morning. Lord, we, we trust you, we love you, and we just um, give this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So one of the things I like about Jesus' message, and this is kind of overall, is that he gets right down to the point. I mean, sometimes he, he presents his, his teachings and parables or stories that are metaphors or kind of different ways to understand things. But this time, Jesus kind of gets right down to it. And I think the first thing Jesus establishes is that you have a treasure. You know, some of us might like to think that, you know, we are free from materialism or we are free from, you know, the bondages of having treasure and holding on to things. We hold on to things loosely. But that doesn't necessarily seem like what Jesus is saying. He's saying you have a treasure. And it's most likely earthly treasure. That's another thing he establishes is that the, the type of treasure that you have could either be earthly or heavenly. It's, I, I, there, I don't think what Jesus is saying is, listen, your treasure, this, um, don't store it here on earth because it's going to, I mean, the rain might come or, you know, wash your way, it might break down. Listen, I have a portal over here. Just, just take that treasure over to the portal and we'll just, we'll just get it right to heaven this way. It won't ever decay. That's not, I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about. He's differentiating between material treasure, earthly treasure, things here that die, decay, even our bodies, our families, everything on this earth will eventually decay. And then he compares it to heavenly treasures, things that are eternal, things that are heavenly, things that are godly. And so before we dig any further, I want to kind of get to our first big question, and that is, what is your treasure? What is my treasure? And I think we, if we look at our lives, we could probably uh, pick out many things that we treasure, and, we, and there are different types of treasure. And, you know, some of us treasure our time. Some of us treasure our time. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. You know, how offended are you when someone wastes your time? Like, this is the most valuable thing. I can't believe you repairman came six hours late. You know, you just wasted my day. Or you might value your talents. I remember uh, working with someone on a house project, and there needed to be some boards cut with a circular saw, so we went and bought a circular saw. But when it came down to actually making the cuts. He gave the saw to me and said, you're up. And so even though this was his house, so it, 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 he explained to me that his hands were his life. So he valued his talent and didn't want to compromise his talent. So if it came anywhere near a metal object that was rotating really fast, he didn't want to have anything to do with it. So he really treasured that. He really treasured his talent. 
However, most of the time when we're talking about treasure, we're talking about material things. Jesus says in verse 19, don't store up treasures here on earth. And what he was referring to was material things, things that decompose, things that moss can affect, rust, uh, there were thieves, other people can affect it. And I think to help us answer that question of what is our treasure, you know, one way to identify what our treasure is, is to point out the things that we're passionate about. Jesus says in verse 21, he says, where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. There seems to be a very strong link with what you truly treasure in this world, and it has nothing to do, it has little to do with what you talk about, what you maybe present to other people, but it, it has more to do with where you actually spend your money, spend your treasure. There's a very close connection between the things that you are passionate about, things that you put your heart into, and your money. Those Things are your treasure, and so we might treasure our hobbies, our kids, homes, and you know, there are many things, kind of earthly things that we treasure. I think another way to, to, to figure out what we treasure is to ask someone else. Ask someone else, because we likely can't see clearly. And uh, Jesus throws out almost kind of like this mysterious part of the sermon when, when he talks about your eye being a light and you know, you're, he talks about, you know, don't store treasure, and we get it, okay, materialism, and then something about light and darkness in your body. So let me just read that, and I kind of want to break that down, because I think it's very, very relevant for us. Jesus says in verse 22, he says, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you actually had the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. I think what Jesus was getting at here was that we need to have a healthy perspective about our materialism, about our material possessions, I should say. And that when we have an unhealthy perspective, that our, the rest of our life is affected. It's probably affected in a very negative, negative way. But when we have a healthy perspective, in this case, about money, the rest of our life benefits. So that I being good, and then your whole body is good, that's kind of what he's getting at, is your, your perspective needs to be kind of on, you know, where it should be. And, and even further, when you are convinced that your perspective, even though it is dysfunctional, even though it is wrong and completely not what Jesus is kind of getting at, when you think that it's like the right thing to do, then you are really messed up. You are really messed up. Let me, let me give us an example that I think um, fits actually very well with the topic. There's a show on cable called Hoarders. Has anybody ever seen it? Yeah, a few of us? Okay. I've only seen it a couple times, but it doesn't take long to kind of get the picture of what the show is about. There's a show that, that is, the premise of the show is a confrontation between people who hoard, and by hoarding, it's just they never throw things away, or they throw very few things away, and they pile up just stuff. Most of the time, it's just a mess and garbage. And it's a confrontation between those people and the people that that habit affects, typically their family, kids, grandkids, friends, close friends. And so the family set, comes, comes to them and says, listen, this habit is destructive personally. It's affecting our relationship. There's a lot of things wrong with this habit. And there are two types of people, at least in my limited perspective, you know, my limited uh, viewership of the show. There are the people who say, 
you know what? I, it is terrible. I don't like it. Please help me. And so they bring in a crew of people to like clean the house out and they, they try to get them over that hump and they realize, wow, my perspective of my material possessions is wrong. It's just terrible. Help me get out of this. Then there's the other group of people who completely disregard the confrontation. People come to them and say, listen, this is affecting us. And they are totally convinced, completely convinced that there is nothing wrong with them hoarding all that stuff. And those are the people where you almost just feel sympathy because you realize that they are just so lost. They just don't get it. Friends, it's, it's somewhat sobering, but I think many of us are like that when it comes to our material possessions. We have a perspective that what I'm doing, even though when we examine it through Scripture and put it through the filters of, uh, of, of Scripture, Jesus' teaching, we are still so convinced that our perspective is a healthy perspective. And what Jesus is saying is, you are in such a terrible place when you have that perspective. So ask other people. Ask someone who loves you and will tell you just straight out. Someone who kind of knows the teachings of Jesus and not just kind of your, your best friend who's just going to you know, go to the store with you right after you evaluate that. <laughs> but ask someone like, with, like, with sober judgment. Say, listen, it, are there things that I put my treasure in? What, like, what is my treasure? What do I really hold dear in this life? And uh, you might be shocked. <laughs> you might be shocked. I think Jesus is also very gracious to us. It doesn't leave us to wonder and ponder and try to evaluate a lot of this by ourselves. I think Jesus puts his finger right on one treasure that many of us, if not most of us, if not all of us, struggle with. And that is money. Money. Jesus continues on in verse 24. He says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Money. It's a big issue. It's a big issue. Many of us, you know, we, we, you might be thinking, well, I'm not a hoarder. I don't have, you know, just a room full of money where I, like, swim in, you know, gold coins like Scrooge McDuck or something like that. Or, you know, I don't lay out dollar bills and kind of flutter them around me. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not in love with money. But if we, if we look a little closer, I think, I think we might see it a little bit otherwise. And so I've, I've, I have kind of a few ways where we might be able to evaluate ourselves and see if we actually love money, see if we actually kind of almost obsessed with it. And the first way is you can ask yourself or kind of look into your life, and if you ever have a habit, a frequent habit, of saying, you know, if we just had a little bit more, then dot, dot, dot. You know, if, if, we, if, if my bank account was just a little bit larger than I could do all the things that I really want to do in this life. You know, I really want to give to the church. I really want to do all these wonderful things if this was just a little bit more. A little bit more. So we base our happiness. We base our value. We base a lot of things on just a little bit more. And I tell you that a lot of people have that perspective. Sometimes it's just joking. You know, what if I want a you know, million dollars or a gazillion dollars and I would... You know, whatever. But every day, you know, I wish I just had a little bit better of a car. I wish I had this other thing. And that points to an idea that you love money. 
that it is a, has a very strong hold on your life. Another way is if money affects negatively, particularly affects your relationships. If money negatively affects your relationships. And so we kind of get the extreme example of the hoarders and there's like this intervention confrontation between people who are just way off on the mark. But, you know, it, it, if, if money is the reason why you have not spoken to someone in a long time, you might value money. If, if money is, is, is a reason why there is some, some negative or dysfunctional part of your relationship with someone else and it's pushing you apart, you might love money. I think another way that, that kind of sneaks up a little bit um, differently is if your relationships depend on the other person's income, you might love money. So let me, let me kind of give you an example here. So if you have a certain, you know, if you're in a certain socioeconomic bracket and you really don't hang out with other people of other brackets, you might, maybe subconsciously, maybe that's just something that, you know, you don't decide outright, but but you might love money. You, you, you know, you hate the rich people and, and you, know, you kind of feel sorry for the poor people and you don't really know where to fit. Money dicta- if money dictates your relationships, there's an issue, there's an unhealthy balance. Another way is, is um, pursuing money and pursuing your treasure has a higher priority than pursuing the kingdom of God. It's how we pick a job. You know, I, I think I've told this story before, but when I was just finished college, you know, everybody is going to, if you're going into college or, you know, you've been through college, everybody asks you, so what are you going to do with the rest of your life? It's like everybody's favorite question. What are you going to do with the rest of your life? And so you're supposed to come up with like this, you know, year-long plan of like, okay, well, the first three years I'm going to do this. And, this. and I, to answer that question to, to someone who asked me that, I just said, you know what, I really want to serve God and be as involved in the, in, in the church as I can. And by the way, I'm going to have a job. Like, that's my goal in life. And that person was just like dumbfounded. They're like, what about your career? You just spent all this. I spent six years in college, and it wasn't because it was a six-year program. <laughs> <laughs> they say you just spent so much time. So what about your career? And I just, I was like, I don't know. I I just really want to pursue God. And by the way, I, I need a job. I have to buy food, right? So, you know, God has blessed me with certain talents. And I want a job in a particular field. Another, um, another example is Jenny and I love the Olympics. It's one of the things that, like, hold our marriage together. Um, <laughs> no, I'm being facetious. But Jenny remarked the other day about, you know, an Olympian, someone, you know, they they're going through the Olympic trials right now, and so those are the trials to get onto the Olympic team. And so the, the, the people who actually got on the Olympic team, of course, the, the reporter asked them, like, wow, what does this mean for your life? You know, are you going to go to London? How, you know, basically asking them, like, this is amazing. And so and Jenny remarked that, you know, a few of them just basically said, you know, we, God has given us talents, and we're going to go to London, and we're going to try to do the best that we can, and that's it. And I, and I was just like, wow, that's amazing. You know, whether or not those people win gold, those are my heroes. Because they're not in it for the fame. They're not in it for the, for the glory and standing on the podium. And they're gonna, I'm sure they're going to try. I'm sure that's why they're an Olympian. But their end goal is just void of like this attachment, this dysfunctional attachment to money. To money. And so Jesus says very clearly, you cannot serve both God and money. 
Let me, let me jump to our, our second big question. I think I'm going a little long here. Jump to our second big question is why invest our treasure in the kingdom of God? Why invest our treasure in the kingdom of God? And I'm going to give you three what I think are really good reasons why we should invest our treasure in the kingdom of God. But before we get to those reasons, I think, we, I, think I want to establish this kind of a fundamental truth that Jesus teaches us a little bit later in Matthew. If you'd like to follow along in the Bible, I want to read from Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 44. Matthew 13, starting in verse 44. Jesus gives us really, two, like, really quick parables. Re- really quick. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Done. That's it. Second parable. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. In both many parables, very short parables, Jesus kind of gets right to the point, I think. The kingdom of God is portrayed as this extremely valuable thing. And in both stories, it seems like it's a no-brainer. Both of them just kind of, they found it, they discovered it, and then they just sold everything they had to get what that was. That was the kingdom of God. And I think what Jesus was getting at is that there is something inherently amazing and compelling about the kingdom of God. There's just something built into it that almost doesn't need reasons. There is just something powerful and glorious about the kingdom of God that if we discover it, we should. I mean, a a natural reaction should be to just abandon everything that we have and pursue the kingdom of God. And I don't think many of us are there. I mean, including myself, I, I feel like I'm there to a certain point, but I'm not all the way there yet. The thing is, I think if we really understood just how powerful and freeing and life-changing the kingdom of God really is, we would give everything. If we really examined just how, uh, just, you know, with a sober mind, the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. I think if we examined with a sober mind just the, just the, um, the transformative power of actually living by the Spirit of God, having the Spirit of God in us, doing the will of the Almighty God. What could compare to that? Honestly. If you take a, a minute, maybe longer, hopefully longer, and compare, there's nothing that compares. Nothing. But until we get to that point, and I'm on, a, I'm on a mission to get to that point. Until we get to that point, I'd like to offer those three reasons why I think investing in the kingdom of God is worthwhile. The first reason for investing your treasure in the kingdom of God is it is one of the clearest ways to show God that you truly love him. It's one of the clearest ways to show God that you truly love him. Remember, Jesus says in verse 21, where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. There's something about giving of ourselves, particularly our resources, and then particularly our money, that shows God, you know what, I'm all in. I'm all in. It's not, you know, just about worshiping and, you know, muttering through songs on Sunday morning or, you know, praying a few times a year. Jesus, I'm all in. Take everything. Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King Jr., but the father of Protestantism, the, the, um, 
you know, hundreds of years ago, there was a man who kind of uh, challenged the system of Catholicism, and his name was Martin Luther. And he said there, that believers go through three conversions, three conversions. The conversion of the mind, the conversion of the heart, and then the conversion of the pocketbook. And, it, and you kind of smile at that, but it's true. It's true. I think first we kind of evaluate and say, okay, God, maybe you are there. Maybe I see some evidence. Uh, I, I kind of agree with you. And so that's kind of a mental step toward God. And then, say, and then you might say, you know what, God, I want you in my life. I want you in my heart. I want, you know, give my heart to you. I really want to give my life to you. And then hopefully, here's kind of the hopeful part, is hopefully we eventually make the conversion of the pocketbook. Where we eventually say, you know what, God, to be completely devoted to you. To show you that I am completely in, that I do trust you, that I do love you, and that I do, uh, and that I am committed to advancing your kingdom, your purpose in my life. Take everything that I have. Take everything that I have. Some of us get there. Some of us really struggle with that. We really struggle with that. And so when we invest our money in God, in his kingdom, in his purposes, in his call on our lives, and our call on the community, we show God, listen, I love you. I love you in a very real, physical way. The second reason is we invest to invest our treasure in the kingdom of God is when we do that, when we invest our treasure, we are most likely loving other people at the same time. We are loving other people at the same time. Remember, we talked about our two purposes in life, right? Love God and love people. Well, investing in your kingdom shows other people that you love them. I think one of the best examples of this can be found in Acts chapter 2. It gives us a, a picture of the early church and the early group of believers. After Jesus went to heaven... He, he kind of commissioned the, his believers who were in Jerusalem. He kind of gave them some instructions. And so we see in Acts chapter 2 kind of what their early life was like. So I'm just going to read a, a small part of that. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed, apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their properties and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I think the early church understood something very clearly, that, that they needed to give up their material possessions in order to advance the kingdom of God. And giving up their material possessions wasn't to get other material possessions. They didn't pool everything together to build, like, a better temple right next to the existing temple. They didn't try to, get, you know, pull off all their materials together to, like, look nicer than everyone else, to prove to other people that this was the way to go. But instead, they gave up their personal resources for the sake of other people. For the sake of other people. And that's how we love other people. It's very practical how we can love other people with our resources. We love the hungry, not by praying for them and saying, you know, I wish you weren't hungry anymore. We love the hungry by buying them food. 
We love, we love those without clothes, and the Bible refers to them as the naked. The, the, we love the naked by buying them clothes instead of kind of giving them a pat on the back or you know, shielding them from, from other people passing by. We buy them clothes. You know, maybe more modern day, we love the, pe- the, the guy at the gas station who's stranded there because he doesn't have any more money for gas. And so we fill up his gas tank. And so we love, I mean, there's many examples. There's countless examples of how we can love people by investing in the kingdom of God and, and, and showing generosity and, and showing that, that our money isn't our own and that we can give it freely. And so we love other people when we invest in the kingdom of God. And the third reason to invest in the kingdom of God. It's, it seems a little counterintuitive to everything, but I, I believe it's, it's, it's very valid, and that is we love ourselves when we invest in the kingdom of God. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting that we, you know, go out and buy ourselves a new wardrobe because we're loving ourselves, or, you know, we go out and buy that new thing because we really want it, or squander our money this way because we really love ourselves. You know, we deserve a break. We deserve a treat, so I'm going to love myself today. That's not what I'm talking about. It's actually almost, almost the opposite. And I kind of want to look at the, the following passage in, in Matthew chapter 6. So I've kind of been flipping you around. If you want to get back to Matthew chapter 6, I'll start in verse 25. It says, that is why I tell you, and this is Jesus kind of continuing on from that same section. It says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or, or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries Today's trouble is enough for today. There's a lot of things you could pull out of that. But I think one of the big picture themes that Jesus is saying is that there is a life that is free from the worry of money. There is a life that is free from constantly looking at your bank account saying, do I have enough? Will I have enough? There is something, there is an amazing life when you are free to just not be obsessed with what you have, comparing yourself to other people, comparing yourself to what you want to have. There is just something so liberating. Jesus says, isn't life more than your body? Isn't life more than what you eat? There is a life that is amazing. It is just truly freeing when it's not saddled with money. And so investing in the kingdom, actually giving it away and being able to freely give of our money just shows that we have reached a place where we can kind of love ourselves. Or, or, and I say that in, in a way of, of getting to a place of freedom in our lives when we can invest in the kingdom. 
invest in the kingdom of God. That's a wonderful place to be. It's a wonderful place to be, and investing in the kingdom of God will help you get there. Not worrying, not being saddled with that stuff. So let me get to our third big question. How do I invest in the kingdom? How do I invest in the kingdom of God? We have to get practical, otherwise this is, it's just a nice talk. I really like getting very practical. So I'm going to offer some very practical ways to invest in the kingdom of God. And the first way to invest in the kingdom of God, or the first kind of step to investing in the kingdom of God, is to say no, say no to the things that would otherwise consume those same resources. So, you know, we really want to give to a certain, you know, mission field, or we really want to give to a certain cause, but we just spent $500 eating out this month. Like, we can't spend that money twice, right? Like, we, eventually, at some point, we have to say no to some things that are a little more selfish, some things that are frivolous, some things that will just pass away, literally. Some, some things that just won't mean anything in a month. So we have to say no. We kind of have to uh, 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 prioritize. I think that's also a good word. Prioritize our income, our resources. Then the next way to, to invest, or the next step to investing in the kingdom of God, I think, is budget. Actually fitting investing in the kingdom of God into your budget. When I got married with Jenny, we're kind of, I, I didn't have a budget. The concept of a budget was um, not really offensive. It was just like otherworldly. I just didn't, I didn't get it. This is, what, what is happening right now? So anyway, Jenny is kind of sharing with me her budget, kind of how she spends money, which by the way, I'm, I'm a complete believer now. But, uh, when Jenny was sh- showing me how she spends money, I noticed kind of like in the, in the bank uh, transactions, there were these, there were these uh, transactions going to like investment firms. And there weren't much. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, it was like 10 grand a month. We don't have that money. Not even close to that. But, but there was just an item in the budget to invest in a 401k or to invest in some mutual fund. And, to, and, and for those of you who are budget-minded or business-minded, that, like, that's just a natural part of the business, right? A natural part of making money or using your resources is to fit it into the budget. Because otherwise, if we, you know, if we really say, you know, I really want to you know, save up money so that I, I can retire sometime, but it's not in our budget, like, good luck. Like, when is that going to happen, right? So if we want to invest in the kingdom of God... Stick it in your budget. And if you don't have a budget, make a budget. And if there's only two line items, kingdom of God stuff and everything else, make the budget. Because if you don't write it on paper, if you don't commit to it ahead of time, it's probably not going to happen. One of the ways that my wife and I invest in the kingdom of God, particularly in our budget, or how we create our budget based on the kingdom of God, is we tithe... Uh, right off the top. And we just set, set t- 10% of the gross of our income right off the top. And then what we also, act, in addition to that, um, we actually budget like generosity. Just, we don't know what we're going to spend that money on. And I think there's a misconception that in order to be really generous, it has to be like this um, 
emotional, spontaneous reaction to some desperate need, like, okay, now I'm really going to be generous because I see this thing, and I, I just, I have the money, so let me be generous. We actually budget for generosity. And so, that is the starting point of our budget. Then it's like tithe, generosity, and then everything else. And, and I think that's a very healthy way, a very biblical way to build a budget. You know, and I, personally, I, I've talked about this before, but I, I wish that I could give more and, and, um, and be even more generous. But that's kind of a very practical way where you can go home today and actually scribble on paper how to do that. Adjust your numbers and invest in the kingdom of God with a budget. And the third way to invest in the kingdom of God, which is kind of tied to your budget, is tithe. Tithe. You know, we've talked about tithing before and what tithing, the biblical idea of tithing is giving the uh, top 10%, the best of the flock, so to speak, the top 10% of your income to the kingdom of God. And so in the Old Testament, that was a way to pay for the resources and, and uh, support the ministry of God at the temple. And so farmers would take their, their crops, and, and if you had money, you can, you can um, take all that to, to their local church, basically. And so tithing is a way to invest in the kingdom of God um, because we, when we all tithe together, basically when we all pool our money together into the local church, we have an opportunity to do even greater things than if we just kind of like handed out $5 here and there to everyone that we wanted to invest in in the kingdom of God. And so tithing is a, is a system that we use in the local church, in the greater church as well, of giving your resources, particularly your money, the top 10% of your money, so that as a group, we can do amazing things. And so investing in the kingdom of God, you don't have to go home and figure out, you know, an investment strategy and who deserves what and, you know, what, what all that is about. One very basic way is to tithe. Um, and then kind of another way to invest in the kingdom of God, and I think beyond that is what I was referring to before, and that is be generous with your income. It, it, uh, be generous with your income, with your resources. That, and the way that you do that is to give to people in need. Give to people in need. You'd be surprised that if you opened your eyes, you would likely encounter several people a day who are in need. Several people a day who are in need. And so, you know, you don't have to give them your house or, you know, I don't know what God might lead you to in that moment. But... but intentionally looking for people or at least being open-minded, having a perspective like there are people out there who might need my help and then helping them financially. You know, buying the guy who's asking for a few dollars, go buy him a sandwich. You know, I could rattle off a a number of of examples on on investing uh, in people who need it monetarily or financially. So how how do we wrap all this up? How do we wrap all this up? You know, one of the things that we really need to um, realize, really come to grips with, is investing our resources, particularly our money, and anything, really anything that we hold dear in this world is a big deal with God. It's a big, big deal. I think Jesus specifically includes it in, this, in his Sermon on the Mount because it's a big deal, and he points, he puts his finger on something that is kind of a sensitive spot for a lot of us, and that's our money. And he says, you know, there are just promise after promise that if we give God everything, 
If we really invest in the kingdom of God, and Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to it. There is something about seeking the kingdom of God with our treasure and abandoning that, that, that just grip of what money has in our life. It's a big deal, especially for those of us who call ourselves believers, especially those who call ourselves committed to the church, the mission of the church. It's a big deal. And we, at the South Suburban Vineyard Church, we not only say that, but we try to live that out. Next week, we're going to be handing out a couple items, uh, financial items. One item is going to be a congregational report, basically opening up our books for 2011 to give to the congregation to show you and be accountable and say, this is how we feel we best invested in the kingdom of God. Here's every dime that came through, uh, you know, that, that was dropped in the buckets. Any, any type of income, this is how we spent it. And so we want to be very open, very honest about how we feel we, we invested in the kingdom of God. And is it perfect? Probably not. I mean, we are constantly evaluating how to invest. But, but we want to be very open with that. The second thing that we'll be uh, pa- has, passing out next week is kind of a half-year giving report half-year giving report, and we typically do that at the end of the year to, to, I don't know, for tax purposes, or just kind of let you know, give you back a, a, a report saying this is how much you've given. But I, I think in light of the sermon, sermon series, I think it's important to kind of get like a check of where we are halfway through the year and kind of evaluate, be able to evaluate how we've been using our resources personally. And so we're going to be giving that back to you. And, you know, I just, I just imagine, I can, really, I can only imagine what we can accomplish as a group if we firmly committed to investing in the kingdom of God with our resources. And I'm not talking about just throwing in a couple bucks here and there into the bucket. I'm talking about what if we were like an Acts 2 church where we gave up everything, or at least we were willing to give up everything to advance the kingdom of God. You know, we have a mission and a vision to advance the kingdom of God to the south suburbs of Chicago. Um, And I just, I can only imagine what that would look like if we all firmly committed to investing our resources into advancing that mission. And I don't think think it's a fairy tale. I don't think it's something that's wishful thinking. I think that we can actually do it. And I think that, you know, we can all get to the place where we are committed both inward and and deed to financially support the mission and the vision, really, of the kingdom of God here in the south suburbs of Chicago. And I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in. And I, I, you know, there are many of us who are all in. It's not just me and, you know, pull, pulling the wagon. There are plenty of people who are all in, but there, honestly, there are some of us who, who aren't. So a challenge today is to really see the bigger picture. That investing in the kingdom of God is critical to our healthy perspective in life. And I think Jesus says it, Jesus says it, if we don't get this right, not only is it a bad thing to have an unhealthy perspective in, in life, but when we are convinced that we are actually getting it right, we're actually way worse than we think we are. So I, I, just, I just want to challenge that. I feel like the word of the Lord today is to challenge each one of us to look at how we invest our resources in the kingdom of God and to see how we can maybe do that better, maybe do that in accordance with how God calls us to. So let me, let me pray for our time this morning.
Father, I thank you for words like this, not because they make me feel really warm inside, but because they are truth. They are your truth. Sometimes it, it's, it's tough to chew on that, to really uh, evaluate your truth, to evaluate your teachings. And Lord, I, I feel like that's part of the reason why you give us your spirit, so that we can help, you can help us process these things. So Lord, I just invite your Holy Spirit to come and help us evaluate, help us process these challenges, help us process what it means to invest our resources, invest our treasure in the kingdom of God. God, we, we do trust you, and we do love you, and I know that it's a big step for us to, to eventually do that financially, and so Lord, I just, I just acknowledge that we need you for that part. So Lord, I just ask that you would help each one of us get to that point. Help us, Lord. Lord, I ask that you would also just help us connect with you during worship, that you would help us to connect with you throughout this day, throughout this summer season. Help us connect with the vision and the mission that you have for the South Suburbs of Chicago, and that's ultimately to see anyone and everyone come into your kingdom and completely be submitted to you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, help us connect to that. Help us to be like that that guy who found the treasure in the field or the, the merchant who found the pearl, Lord, that we just, we're just at a point where we just give anything and everything to have and hold on to the kingdom of God. Lord, help us. Help us get to that point. Help us, Lord. So, Lord, we just say that we need you. God, we just ask for more of you, particularly today, right now, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name.